Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us an opportunity to check out some of the recent conversations we've had on JM in the AM. Ahava Aaron Price is author of the book More Than Special. Go to artscroll.com, order the book, make sure to use promo code radio. Here was my conversation with Ahava Aaron Price on JM in the AM. Here it is on JM Rewind at the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, there's a brand new book out there entitled More Than Special, Perspectives in the World of Special Needs, written by Ahava Aaron Price. It is an Artscroll release, Shar Press. And uh, you know what we always say when you go to artscroll.com, if you're going to order this book or any book, always use promo code radio. When you go to artscroll.com, always use promo code radio. Again, the name of the book is More Than Special. Ahava Aaron Price joins us in a moment. Everyone who knew him was mesmerized by Sadia Aaron Price, Allah Shalom, the young man with Down syndrome who confounded all the experts. He would be totally dependent for every basic need the doctors predicted. He had little or no chance of ever communicating, yet Sadia developed into a man who could read in Hebrew and English, traveled by himself to learn in Eretz Yisrael, and attended the Makor College Experience Program at Yeshiva University. His untimely passing happened during COVID-19, and after his untimely passing, his mother, Ahava Erin Price, a talented author, you may recall she has a book entitled On My Own But Not Alone, chose to memorialize his life through, a, through filling a pressing need, providing a book that would serve as both a resource and an inspiration to parents, relatives, friends, and professionals dealing with children and adults who have special needs. Ahava Erin Price, an honor to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Thank you so much. Honor to be here, and I have to say I'm humbled to be following Rabbi Goldstein. <laughs> it's very, very, very um, humbling, should I say? Well, anyway, it's lovely to be here. I appreciate that very much. Uh, let, let's let's start uh, just by explaining. I, I'm assuming, and if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. I'm assuming that the COVID nineteen that took Sadia's life had nothing to do with, or was was somewhat unrelated to, you know, other things that he had suffered from during his life. You you point out, you know, the, from very, very early on, he had a lot of health challenges, but I, I assume COVID-19 was a was unrelated to those. Would I be right? Yes, or- uh, 100%. Actually, Baruch Hashem, he was blessed as uh, possible physical disabilities that come with uh, Down syndrome. Uh, Baruch Hashem, he was really very healthy, and uh, as you may remember, um, Purim, before uh, he came down with COVID, uh, he <laughs> he was uh, he agreed to take all the shalach matters that I had baked, challahs, uh, etc., and went in and out of every house on our block. And no, he was, and then actually went to the Lower East Side. Uh, <laughs> no, the COVID was struck him as uh, Hashem chose, yeah. uh, not based on any previous uh, pre <laughs> what is, pre-existing conditions. What's the date of his yard site? Uh, it, it is. It is. Well, it's the twenty eighth of April, and it's okay. You caught me. So he was. Uh, ta- he was taken at the height of of, right, of the, the COVID first, sweep through yeah. this area. Yeah, exactly. It was basically five weeks after the the we really became aware that we were in the midst of a major pandemic and people were being intubated. And at that time, people really did not the medical world did not know exactly how to deal with it and. Uh, and in, in addition to all the expertise you've gained over all these years of being a mother of somebody with special needs and and getting him to the point where he was as independent as he was, you can now also speak to the um, uh, to the point of of having a loved one pass without having seen him for a while, right? 
right. It was uh, at the peak of COVID, and uh, no one was able to get in uh, to uh, to see patients or to be with them in any way, shape, or form. Uh, give a shout out to an organization called WellTab. At the last week, when he was uh, well, he was kept in a medically induced coma for the five weeks that he was ill. Uh, that we were able to see him through these amazing group that gave us a uh, small uh, screen and somehow got it into the hospital and we saw him for a few hours for and and ironically not that there's anything not that irony has a role in this but uh, we know it all comes from above but ironically he he was doing better just hours before he passed away right yeah I think that this is a not was not an uncommon pattern. Uh, actually, he was supposed to be released. Uh, he was on a trach. They were unable to get him uh, independent of that, but he was going to be transferred to uh, re- rehab to begin that process. And yes, I was waiting to see him on that little screen. Uh, and uh, and instead, you they, get a call. They went into cardiac arrest immediately. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Ahava Aaron Price is with us. Now, he passed away at the age of? He was one month shy of his 36th birthday. And uh, what's it like 36 years ago, or at this point, 37 years ago? And I say it like that because uh, obviously there are people listening now who have gone through similar experiences and others who, excuse the term, fear going through a similar experience. When, when, when it's obvious to you that your child is not going to have a, a regular upbringing, what is that like? Well, I... <laughs> I often say that um, my goal in life is to make people feel that you don't have to feel guilty about saying, wow, this was not the most amazing thing Hashem gave to me when it happens. And um, Hashem uh, must love you more than anybody else to give you this challenge. Uh, I was not in favor of it at all, actually. Uh, But I always say it was a learning curve, not his learning curve, my learning curve. Uh, He, yes, it seems like an overwhelming challenge when you first find out that your child has quote-unquote a diagnosis. But uh, ironically, well, first of all, we live in a golden age right. in terms of the world of special needs. I always, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, medically speaking, most uh, children with special needs, with this, whether it's Down syndrome or other uh, physical or cognitive uh, disabilities, would not have survived. Medical science gave us you know, a quality of life and a length of life that was never anticipated. And then the world opened up in terms of the uh, the awareness that everyone can grow, that everyone with – you take a child with whatever you want to call normal, quote-unquote, and you don't give them stimulation and you don't teach them and you don't give them love and uh, – validation, and they're not going to grow either. Right. The world discovered that with therapy, and this is also actually in the book, the, um, there was a uh, catastrophic awareness through a, something called Willowbrook, which was an institution where it seems that uh, people were basically, people with not, even, not only cognitive, but physical disabilities were basically dumped into this waste bin. Right. They were neglected. And ignored. Right. Neglected and ignored, right. And ironically, from from the ashes and the guilt that was uh, uh, created, the government really began after Willowbrook, which was in the 1970s, to create 
amazing programs, funding, well, everything is funding, um, and a, a whole world of specialists, whether it's therapies or special ed teachers, just an awareness, and also the government put a lot of money into programs to facilitate parents keeping their children at home because clearly institutions are never a good, <laughs> are never a good option. Right. Um, so um, it really opened up and created a, I always say it was like Camelot. Um, there was a whole concept of, of programming that would be funneled through the government's funding that would give children, whether it was um, special ed teachers or classes, and then over the decades, um, as public awareness became aware and the potential in every child was seen, uh, there's much more concept of inclusion and integration into mainstream life. And that's, and that's really just an acceptance that everybody's entitled to be part of Cholesterol and part of society. And there's no bar that could be set that say you're, you are not entitled because of your capabilities. And um, then we find out that children with special needs have, um, have strengths that um, perhaps people with higher intellectual, quote-unquote, um, capabilities, uh, there's a warmth. There's an, at least I'm speaking, and now I'm speaking because I, we were blessed with, um, ironically, with the diagnosis of someone with um, Down syndrome, very positive and warm and just life is good. And, um, you know, having someone like that around is just, it doesn't matter if they can't finish. Uh, they're not going to write a treatise or find a cure for cancer. They're finding a cure for something else, and that's for negativity in the world. Um, I will add that when I started doing the research for the book, I became aware that truly, truly blessed because there are now parents, I mean, I guess there always was, but I became humbled. I mean, I didn't really have a challenge. We didn't have a challenge. We had this wonderful, delightful, sweet, always looking for the good, always looking to make people happy. But there are parents now dealing with, I can say, they're the true heroes and heroines. Yeah. That's really, that's, I wrote the book in their honor. Well, of course, also in memory of Saja. But um, parents who deal with children who don't necessarily give them that positive warmth. And they raise them with love and with concern and with every ounce of energy. So, uh, yes, have things changed amazingly, when, so positively. At what age did it become obvious that he was very positive, very energetic, you know, always there? I mean, is this is something that you could tell at two, three, four years old, or this is down the road? Well, yes. Once he learned how to walk, I was, <laughs> once he got on to uh, found out that his tricycle could take him anywhere, um, yeah, um, there was no we put in gates. We he learned how to open them, and he just went, you know, smiling around uh, wherever he could get on his uh, three wheels. Uh, I think we knew right away. It was just well, he was just very delightful and delicious. Uh, his siblings, I would say, basically adored him. Uh, I can say that safely, and um, he became a very positive. I guess. 
I have pictures of him in my mind on his little red tricycle, zipping up the block, and you had a smile. And you the, just had a smile. And the way you describe it in the book, uh, there were plenty of episodes where he, I don't want to say he was lost, but he was... He he wandered off. Let's put it that way. Well, he knew where he was. <laughs> right, uh, and you were conf- uh, and you were confident he'd make it back home, or or those were uh, panic well, panic situations. Uh, um, well, we did use the services of the NYPD on more than one occasion, which they did not always appreciate. Um, yes, uh, actually, I got a letter while well, during the shiva from someone who lived nearby, and uh, she wrote that. Well, besides the fact that Sadia. The, the uh, really created her whole attitude towards the world of special needs and individuals with special needs. But she said the message in the neighborhood was, if you see Saja Aaron Price um, rolling down the street, um, please return him to his either oblivious or, or hysterical parents. <laughs> so, yes, he, he's a... And then, of course, there's all these other stories that I mentioned, uh, which I've written about, that um, I did not know until the Shiva. We, Saja decided, you know, his father ran the New York City Marathon, and um, the family was going to meet in Manhattan. And uh, what happened was I went ahead, and he was going to come later with his brother, Kiva Shum, and uh, we got, Kiva said, got to Manhattan late in the evening, and I said, where's Saja? And he said, I don't know. Don't you have him? Uh, no. Well, I always thought that Saja by didn't think we were going to take him, and we're going to. Uh, he decided to take the subway to Manhattan on his own uh, during the Sunday of the New York City Marathon. Um, I found out that from his res hab worker, who was the amazing, one of the many, many amazing young men who were part of our lives, who would spend something that Saja had told him that not to come and pick him up. And he planned it. He wanted to prove that he could get to Manhattan. He told each of us that he was going with the other one. Oh, my gosh. And it was uh, with malice aforethought. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and he ended up um, actually at the World Trade Center, um, which at that point, this was um, 2011. This was, it was, some policemen realized that a special needs young person should probably not be walking around in the evening. Uh, so um, they found, we, of course, by that time, it called the NYPD, and all's well. And it did, as I say, it did have a wonderful impact because for about a decade, he would say, no, Saja Aaron Price doesn't take the subways. <laughs> so, um, but I will add, since we're talking about his adventuresome and Baruch Hashem, <laughs> ever-present independence, um, that he overcame that phobia when it was time, when the only way for him to get to the McCore College experience, get up to Yeshiva University, was by subway. Uh, was by subway. Wow. And he did it. What's, <laughs> so. that, what's that like as a parent when you know he's doing that for the first time? Uh, there's no, no describing. <laughs> I the anxiety? How did you I said complete insanity. I mean, it was just like, it's ridiculous. What is he doing? But um, I knew he had a, you know, he had to have wings. And um, I, as I say, that's, bitachet is a lot of part of raising any child. And uh, Yeah, that's true. Ahava Aaron Price is with us. The book is called More Than Special, Perspectives in the World of Special Needs. Now, this could have been a straightforward tribute to the life of uh, Sadia Aaron Price, your dear son. Uh, who was well-known by so many people. I said earlier today on, on the air that he was known by so many people in the community, uh, both inside Brooklyn and outside Brooklyn. Um, and, and it's certainly your story 
um, and the bits and pieces of it that are in the book are are fascinating in terms of him becoming independent and your role in that and your reaction to that. But the book, nonetheless, obviously has a different format. Why did you include other people? Why did you include the uh, the parts of the book that you did as opposed to just writing a tribute biography? Well, I will correct one thing, by the way, that is known around the world. Right, around but, the world, that's true. <laughs> I, uh, um, <laughs> someone said to me, uh, Sadie did what no one else, what no one else has done. He, they got the New York Times to say something positive about um, Jews and about religious life. Wow. I said, no, he got uh, he got me into the New York Times. Um, <laughs> Sadia was uh, really, whether it was his years in there at Tisrael and the Dark Kenu programmer, he really... Um, he touched many, many people's lives. And yes, it could have been. But um, my motivation really was to do more. Yes, Sadia's story is heartwarming, and um, I hope it gives physics to many, many people. And I wanted people to be aware of how important it is for integration and inclusion, which Sadia definitely was in our shul and in our neighborhood and to YU. But um, I, I was, Sadia's mantra was everything it's going to be okay he wanted everyone to he wanted everything to be better for him. he wanted everything good for everyone and i wanted this book to be able to address so many different people i wanted it to be a resource and an awareness for the world at large and a resource for parents with whatever type of problem i shouldn't say problem whatever type of challenge the child might have, and I wanted it to be uh, the words of experts. That's obviously mine is based on uh, experience and love, but um, I wanted there to be whether it's there's legal advice because there's so much parents should know. Right. I wanted there to be um, rabbinic like, advice. A vinic, yes, very much. The physic we have um, beautiful pieces. Rabbi Aaron Khan, the letters of. Um, Ramosha Shapiro, that it's very important for parents and for the world to see the attitude that Gadolim feel we should be uh, dealing with our children who are of a different demographics. So I felt that. And then most important, and I think really to me, it was really the, and I did it on, on my own, but not alone. I know when I've had personal challenges, someone, and I've read certain words, people have written something, and I could identify with them, and I could say, yes. That's how I feel. You've got it, you know? And it's a tremendous sense of physical of validation. Uh, just, and I said, I, I want every person who opens this book to be able to find someone's story. Yes, that's my story. That's how I feel. And so I have a, very, a great number, and I actually could have increased it, but the book was getting quite large, of parents' voices. I always I don't interview people because then it's my voice interpreting your words. And it's not about the writing. It's about the words. And um, there's pieces by parents, siblings, even grandparents, so that their voices and each one's story is, is a universe. It's mm. a, and hopefully there's someone's voice that will reach out to some one reader, uh, and it will say... Yes, I understand, and it's, that's why I expanded it far beyond Saja, because I think that's what he would have wanted. I think this is the real, the real um, motivation. 
I, you know, I, I would say you can't know the madua. You can't know the existential reason why Hashem chooses the plan that He chooses. But um, I was I didn't realize it was actually. If you look at the Hebrew words, there's a, a lama, a lama for what? And I felt that if Hashem took Sadia, uh when He had so many more years that He could have given so much joy and so much chizuk and so much just His presence. Uh, so I have to create, well, it's a memorial, but it's a memorial that does something. It's a memorial that says, okay, this is what Saj's life was spent, was at least on our, <laughs> in this world, that I have to come to understand why Hashem would want. Yeah, understood. The book is called More Than Special, and the uh, chapters or, or, or different parts that uh, Hava Aaron Price alluded to, one is called Spiritual Guidance. That's, of course, uh, different letters and comments by rabbinic leaders. Therapeutic Guidance, which is very, uh, which is really voluminous. A lot of material here uh, from different um, uh, perspectives, uh, which can be very helpful for parents out there. Legal Guidance, as you said, it's a uh, people don't realize how important these legal issues are. Uh, both, both planning for the parents of a special needs child and um, and uh, and things that need to be taken care of down the road. And, of course, there is a section on uh, tributes to Sadia as well, because, as I said, there are a lot of people in this audience uh, who certainly knew him uh, and certainly uh, were inspired by him. Uh, I know that my family personally was, as you know, and, and uh, anybody who was with him in camp or in school or on any campus, whether it was Israel or Washington Heights, uh, I don't know. He he always seemed to draw a crowd. Always see, <laughs> yes. always see, rock star. Yeah. yeah, always seemed to draw a reaction from people, and uh, was a lot of fun to be around, to say the least. And you know, people like to be with someone who is positive and really cares about you. It right. doesn't matter what their IQ is, and his IQ was pretty good, actually. <laughs> he was a very smart cookie, and, and very, very, very much a Nachum Siegel fan. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm, I'm proud of that. He was uh, he was a big J.M. and the A.M. supporter in many, many ways. And um, and our family had a tremendous amount of, of fun with him. Uh, what would you, I, I know this is an unusual question, especially in this forum, because we are so faith-based and we are so uh, focused that 100% of our existence, thank God, is dependent on the one above. And that, you know, and, and, and rit- ritually, of course, we try to maintain that where everything is guided by, by our tradition and heritage. Do you ever think <clears throat> about people in these situations who don't have a faith background and how they get through all this without the, uh, without the, you know, without pointing to higher meaning and, 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 and the spiritual, uh, uh, peace, you know, not being added to their, to their family picture? I can't even imagine. I can't. I, I feel only sadness for them because feeling that your life is just a leaf blowing in the wind is so, there's no security. There's no, there's nothing to hold on to. There's no understanding. No, I, I, I've, yes, I have thought of it and only with, only with the deepest sympathy and, and, so no, we we don't we so we don't realize how lucky we are. And this is not just for no. special needs parents; it's for everybody no. out there. It's we, for everybody out there. That's right. And right. And um, I do want to point out that I wanted more, just as a resource, but I want the world to be aware that there's so much potential, and there's really almost like I guess I'm excited about it um, because obviously it's a topic close to my heart. The um, how the potential has how inclusiveness and inclusion and um, it's just, it's just 
so important, and everyone gains. I don't think there's a student at NYU or on the campus of Gush Etzion or the, the various communities that host Yachad Shabbatons. That I don't think there's one person there who doesn't feel that they're, they themselves or their child has gained, and of course, you know, counselors at places like Hask, um, that, that we gain. This is not a, this is not a chesed. It is almost, it's almost selfish. It's like there's so much to be gained by reaching out and including everyone. And, the, and does that attitude develop, uh, you know, day by day? Or is it an attitude that develops relatively quickly? Once you're a parent of a special needs child, it's an attitude that develops at what pace? Uh, well, no, I think it's a learning curve. I think it's a learning curve. There's uh, challenges. I'm, you know, not whitewashing all the, you know, there are moments, but, but aren't there moments with children who don't have a diagnosis where you want to, you know, bang your head against the wall? Right. So uh, maybe just, and also, I think the greater the challenge, the greater the excitement when there is, um, when, when you, you get the golden ring. You know, when each, as each, uh, as each goal is seen to come, to reach, there's just so much happiness. But no, it, it, no, it's not, you wake up one morning and say, wow, this is really great. Um, no, it's a learning curve, and I think it's a learning curve for everybody, you know, when people see special needs. It isn't, um, I think it's very important. I think we're not comfortable. We're not really comfortable with people who don't, you know, who don't follow the line of what we would expect. Right. So um, it's a learning curve, and I think it's for people to help their children to understand that there's nothing to be, quote-unquote, afraid of, and there's only to be gained by um, opening our hearts, our doors, our shuls. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, no. I don't think is it possible that something really amazing is achieved overnight. No, yeah, it takes but, time. Um, yep. Ahava Aaron Price. The book is called "More Than Special: Perspectives in the World of Special Needs." There are a lot of amazing contributors to this book, um, and uh, you should check it out. Uh, it gives everybody a perspective, not just about uh, um, uh, parenting a child with special needs, but life in general. And of course, it also gives it an opportunity for all of us to remember Sadia Aaron Price, who, again, as I said. Uh, his name means a lot to uh, to people he hung out with in camp and school on different campuses, both Israel and the United States, uh, in Flatbush, Brooklyn, and of course in any other area uh, where he was well known, the Shabbatonim and all the other events that he attended. Made a lot of friends over the years, so it gives you an opportunity to see some of the tributes to him and to uh, really learn what it's like um, from a parent's perspective, uh, go to artscroll.com. Always use promo code radio, artscroll.com, promo code radio. The book is called More Than Special. And I remind you that Ahava Aaron Price has a book from before that entitled On My Own But Not Alone. Check out both of them at artscroll.com. Can't thank you enough for joining us this morning. I'm glad we had a chance to uh, remember Sadia because, like I said, it's not just me, but thousands out there around the world who, uh, yeah. who certainly remember him with tremendous fondness. And I'm sure he enhanced a lot of lives of uh, people in this audience and otherwise. So I'm glad we had that opportunity this morning. Yes, I, I was going to add that I don't know uh, exactly what the relationship between the OMIMS and this world is, but if it's possible to be smiling, I I hope and I would like to believe that Sadia is smelling. He loves the fact that there's a book about him, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have, someone once met my daughter and said, um, 
Oh, I feel you know, there's this, this mother who she writes about their special needs child in magazines, and it's so so inappropriate, so invasive of his privacy. And we all laughed because sad, there was nothing that he loved more. As a matter of fact, he kept saying to me, when, when are you writing my book, Mom? Because he, <laughs> <laughs> so, No, it was nothing, it, nothing would bring him greater joy than <laughs> He was not opposed to uh, the public eye. No question. So He's thank you. No <laughs> question. Thank you for giving you that op- this opportunity. It's, it's, it was very special. <laughs> A pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us. And be well. Thank you. Ahava Aaron Price. The book is called More Than Special. Go to artscroll.com. Make sure to use promo code radio. Check out her books. And uh, for those of you who knew Sadi, for those of you who knew Sadia, um, the book is even more than more than special. Uh, whether you knew him or not, it's a uh, tremendous perspective regarding the world of special needs. Check it out. That was my conversation with Ahava Aaron Price. Go to artscroll.com, order the book, and make sure to use promo code RADIO. Rabbi Yanki Horowitz was with us recently to discuss the Walder case and the uh, situation in general in our community. Rabbi Yanki Horowitz, a guest on JM and the AM. Here he is on JM Rewind at the Nahum Segal Network. Is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world of web and NachumSiegel.com on the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Uh, well, many of us, uh, if not all of us who are tuned in, are aware of the quote-unquote Walder case and have been horrified by the um, news that has been uh, made public over the last few weeks regarding uh, what so many in our community have been through. None of this is a, uh, is a surprise, unfortunately. None of this is foreign to Rabbi Yanki Horowitz, uh, who is um, uh, probably the person who has been most outspoken and has stood side-by-side side with so many abuse victims in our community worldwide over the last many, many years. And um, we felt the need after everything that had been going on um, the stories that have been coming out, the, uh, the Besden that was convened, the subsequent suicide, uh, Walder taking his own life, uh, big effort in the community to get rid of his books, big effort in the community, I hope, we'll find out in a minute, to help his victims. After all this, we thought it would be a good time to check in with Rabbi Horowitz and find out what's happening. By the way, uh, as I introduce Rabbi Yanki Horowitz, I do want to mention that uh, he literally posted... Um, last night that he's taking a 36-hour break from any Walder conversation except to help uh, actual victims of abuse. And uh, therefore, with that in mind, I want to thank him for setting aside time for us during this uh, short moratorium. Rabbi Horowitz, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. It's always a pleasure. I've been on your program over so many years, it's just delightful to be back. Thank you so much. I appreciate that very much. And why a 36-hour moratorium, and why do we become the exception? Well, I made a prior commitment to you, and I, I readjusted it because I'm speaking to the... Uh, doing a, uh, at the same time, I'm doing a, um, a meeting with a lot of Rabbanim in Europe tomorrow at the same time, so I didn't want to say no to you, and uh, here I am. Um, You know, I declared the moratorium because it was really dragging on me, and um, a few people called me. I posted a video about about abuse survivors and what I think we need to do, and a few of my good friends called me and said, Yankee, you look terrible. So um, 
I decided to uh, I decided to take a look at it. There, you know, there was a suicide of a victim of, of his in in Israel. You know, right, uh, shortly after, you know, like a day after he, he killed himself, and um, there was terrible, terrible trauma uh, on so many victims here um, around the world. And uh, I was really concerned. I was really, really concerned for for their emotional the emotional well being that. Uh, the survivor. So um, I just, you know, did what I could, you know, on a personal level, but mostly publicly to try to get people to support, to publicly support uh, the, the, the survivors. You know, uh, Eli Wiesel in his, um, in his acceptance speech when he won the Nobel Prize, he said that uh, silence always benefits the, the tormentor and never the tormented. Yeah. So if you're neutral, if you're neutral, you're helping. You know, you're really helping the the abuser, not actively, but so that's what we need to stand there. You know, Nachum, it's it's so sad that we keep seeing the same, you know, the same attributes since the beginning of time, since the son of the mayor of Shem, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, assaulted Dina, Yaakov's daughter. It's the the powerful have taken advantage of the weak. And here you have it again, and and it's the same with Bill Cosby. It's in every culture, in every environment. I think since the world, you know, since the world, <laughs> the, the world existed, and 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 that's why good people, these people, the vast majority, have stand. I'm begging all the listeners, stand with the deep survivors. Any platform you have, you have a social media group, you're on, you're on social media, you have influence, even among your friends. Um, Get up there and say something to support victims. If you know someone who's a survivor, check up on them. Call up, ask how they're doing. Um, and that imbalance of power, that, that image that went around the, the Internet of a thousand people at Walder's funeral and, and you know, 20 at the, the, the young lady in the hotel herself, um, it was a dagger in everybody's heart. It was just so sad. That's, again, the imbalance of power showing, um, ha- you know, hammering it home to survivors. Yeah. Rabbi Yanki Horowitz is with us. Uh, so many things to to unpack here with you. Um, high-profile author, many, many years, high-profile therapist. Uh, obviously, I assume the, the majority, if not all, of the abuse happened under those circumstances. Why did it take so long for our community to find out about him. Uh, I, I don't want to use the word cover-up, but if there was one, then please let us know. But but in general, why does it take so long to find out when someone is doing so much damage in our community? So, I mean, you can ask the same question about uh, Roger Ailes or Bill Cosby or any of the ones in this. There was a huge abuse uh, in, in, in a serial pedophile in, in the U.K. a few years ago in the second community. It's everywhere, Nachum. It's everywhere. It's part of the human condition. Um, if any of, you, any of your listeners are, are interested, just do a Google search for the halo effect. And, you know, it's really important that parents, in addition to getting um, child safety education and sharing it with your children, to understand the dynamics because um, this keeps repeating itself. And the halo effect means that basically when you have an impression about someone, you think that everything they do is perfect or makes sense. Um, you see a wealthy person, 
and you know you hear you 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 you, you, uh, you assume that they're making all great financial investments, <laughs> right? right. That's true. Uh, you know you 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 tend to, that's what the halo effect is, and when right. some and what the saddest thing is when you look back forensically, they were doing bizarre things. I don't know anything about this particular case. But I, I guarantee you, without a, without a moment's hesitation, without a doubt, that he was doing flagrant violations of boundaries in public. And and people thought, oh, uh, you know, well, Walter, you know. So people assumed that either they they would already have stopped this. Let's say let's say there were useless violations, or or you know, who including himself with clients or. or or women, you can't get away with this this amount of garbage for so long without people being numb to it or people just assuming that it's okay. If not, they would stop it. That's 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 the message. One of the most important messages publicly is that we should stop looking away from who's doing what. No, I'm sorry, from who's doing things and look at what they're doing. Ignore the garb. Ignore the outside. Ignore the plaques on their walls. If you see someone behaving inappropriately, speak up. So that's, is, that's so, my message. So is it not only the victims that that have this halo effect, or is it not only the victims that are affected by the halo effect, but it could be leaders and supervisors and people in leadership positions in our community who also are victims, quote unquote, of that halo effect, or it's different in their case. It's especially them. It's especially them that because this person is their colleague or their friend or their, you know, and they can and they can never see, see them, they can never see themselves doing something like that. So there's no way that person who's their colleague or friend right, can right, do right, right, right. I, I, again, it's so important, folks, that you understand that you know, um, I, I, it's so important that the dynamic because it keeps repeating itself. That, that we see things, and you look at those and you say, why didn't anybody say anything? And the answer is because you make assumptions. You make assumptions. And, and another, another term to look up, folks, is institutional grooming. Uh, yes, if it's the people, you know, the leaders, uh, grooming is when they groom a child to break down their defenses. Institutional grooming means that abusers do things in public that, that – that groom the entire community to say that they couldn't be doing this or their, or or whatever they do, they have a strange way of doing things. Another great read is um, if you have a board, I, I don't know if you have any uh, digital communication, Rachman. I would be glad to send you some links to sure. send out to the public. Sure, of course. We have a free we have a free nine minute safety video that's on YouTube. We have one with Hebrew subtitles that we just made. That we added on that just like three, four years ago. Um, there are so many good resources out there that are free. So there's a, there's my number one recommendation to parents to read about women is In Plain View by Malcolm Gladwell, the guy who wrote Tipping Point and Link and right. Outlier. Right. It's a 45, 5,500-word essay in, in the New Yorker magazine, and it was a brilliant um, breakdown of Jerry Sandusky in Penn State University right. with that Joe Paterno scandal. Right. And he writes how he got away with it. And it's the same it's the same pattern again and again and again. Rabbi Yankee Horowitz is with us, um, talking about the Walder case and its aftermath.
you have, um, I, I can only imagine um, that this case with its high profile and, uh, and with all the news about it over the last few weeks has encouraged uh, victims um, to reveal themselves as victims. Now, you're somebody uh, who's been extremely helpful. You're somebody who stands by the side of victims in really tough situations, including situations where your life is threatened for supporting them. Have you heard from many people in that category over the last few weeks? Um, that funeral stopped a lot of it. It makes the, it makes the um, folks who are already abuse survivors and, and public and those who are thinking of coming forward, um, just like that fundraiser from the Kenya Weberman, was I believe it was a clear message to the to the public out there. Hey, listen, folks, we're supporting. We're, we're with this guy. You know, and that um, and, 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 and that suppresses one's desire to make their situation public because they think it's hopeless. Would you? Would, would you? Would you? You know, if you see something, you see, you see like you, if you see, you know, the mayor of 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 Benebrak going to a to his funeral, and I may have spoke, I think, at his funeral, and you know, and you see you see well connected people. That's a message. That's a message that's sent to the public. I would say say people of these survivors are probably less likely to come out now than, than more likely. It's the ones that are just suffering in silence. And when they see something like this, oh, my God, when they see this uh, uh, public expression of support for someone who, who brutally, brutally abused so many people, um, it's a dagger in their heart, and it, it lets them know that, you know, you're not going to get supported. If you come forward, you got the mayor here. All the pe- people who know people. This is why we have to stand. This, I said in the video, we have to do what Shimon and Lady Anna saying. Got to do that. You know the violence. You know that they killed the city of Shem, but they have to. Stay. They stood for their sister. And they, you know, my 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 take on the whole situation there is Yaakov tells them when he came back after when he freed Dina. Yaakov says, "You embarrass me, and you you you, you embarrass us, and you're going to get us killed." And they said, And Rashi doesn't use the literal translation. Rashi says, Hefker, ownerless. Um, that as if something is an object in public, you know, that someone gives up on is considered Hefker. There's no, it's, it's not owned by anybody. Nobody, nobody's, uh, nobody, uh, it's, it's, it's nobody's property. It's nobody just open for the public to take. And my, my understanding is it, 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 Rashi doesn't do alternative translation unless there's a real good really good reason and i think that rashi was explaining that what they said hefted my sister is not hefter they didn't mean they weren't talking when they said Zion, I meant, excuse me they weren't saying that our sister has high moral standards that's not what she was talking they were talking about they said that you can't do this with our sister it's not okay and we're gonna we're gonna stand with her and we're going to put down our lives for her so how do so how do we deal, and specifically, how does someone like you uh, deal with leaders in our community who are not ready to take a stand like that? Because I, I would think that could shake one's faith to the core when they see religious leaders in our community not ready to make that commitment to help somebody who's uh, been abused. Well, you know, I, I do what I think is right, and I I. I try to stay focused on what I can do in my sphere of influence. 
Um, and, you know, mostly I've been, I, we spoke about, you know, 20 years ago, 18 years ago, when you know, the advocates were speaking, people felt we lost our minds. You know, uh, and but this, I mean, it's not the case anymore. You know, most of the rabbis do, you know, do support abuse survivors, and, and you know, and and you know, I, I do what I do. I do what I think is right. Nice. You, you you even said to me off the air, and I'll I'll, I'll be careful how I say this. Cause I'm not sure if it was meant for the air, but but you you even alluded to me <laughs> off the air that you felt that until his suicide, most most people in the public sphere from every uh, area of 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 let's call it religious observance. No, I can't think of a better term right now. We're handling it pretty well, canceling him out. Absolutely, right. canceling him I out. I wrote that publicly, by the way. I wrote and said it publicly. I said until his suicide, it was ten steps forward. I, I it was it was incredible, incredibly quick, and incredibly across the board. And and you know it's. His biggest sphere of influence was in Bnei Brak, you know, among the Haredi non-Hasidish community. That right. was his, that was his space, and those folks took him off the Ated, and you know, stopped writing in the Ated. He had a radio show that they canceled, and his books were taken off. I'm already guessed. God bless him. He should yep. be debenched. Yep. Um, go, go go to Eichel's online to buy Yisrarim. <laughs> go to I don't know. There's a Bar Park store there. He took a gutsy move in it. I'm, he, I'm sure he put uh, six figures on the line. Possibly in lawsuits and other things, you know, by, by doing that. But but Felton pulled the books. They, 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 I'm sure it was much much more money for them. I spoke to one of the heads there and complimented him on it. And you know, everything was perfect. I think that's what was so devastating about it. That's what was so devastating about it. And and like when the survivors see that 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 like it's really going right. My goodness, look, people are taking it seriously. It's getting better. And then bang, that's what. I think that's what it was that people were were feeling good that it was and and, and you know I I keep telling people privately and publicly that we took you know many steps forward with that first two three weeks right and this was a big step backwards but we're we're going to continue to go forward this is going in one direction only Rabbi Yanki Horowitz is with us all right there are a couple of practical things we need to speak about in light of all this. Because what 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 purpose is there for you and I to discuss this on the air if it won't help somebody out there? First of all, I, I assume you've seen this. Um, there's a letter circulating from a specific school uh, advising parents how to deal with this whole issue. And the letter, which I'm not going to read verbatim, uh, essentially advises uh, limited information, advises that parents should be very sketchy, as the kids would say, and how they describe what happened in the Walder case and how it might apply to their own families. I'd have to assume you've seen the letter, and I have to assume that you think that that is completely the opposite way of dealing with it. Well, I can assure you that every abuser who saw that letter um, poured themselves a l'chaim and and took a drink to tip tip their hat to it. Um, That's exactly what we should not be doing, exactly what we should not be doing. Um, I'm not going to speak to the letter, you know, whatever. Right, I, I right. didn't respond that right. way. But I'm telling you what we should do. This is a teachable moment, parents. Uh, I wrote it when there was an Anthony Weiner scandal and other things like this. When something goes on in the public and your children are talking about it, and most, <laughs> it's funny enough, because like <laughs> most most parents, they, you know, they, they meet each other, you, you, your friends, you know, 
and, and you say, did your kids ask you? No. Did your kids ask you? No. <laughs> Great. Right? But they're talking about it. Yeah. So it's the best time. This is the time to talk about it. When your children talk about it, don't say, Lashon Hara, I, I'm sorry, it's an obscene distortion of Lashon Hara to say that when children, I'm not saying you should go and publicize every abuse case, and you don't have to talk about it, all of it. But when children are discussing it, to suppress life-saving information because it's distorted. I mean, you should, the dying, get, uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, Rabbi Zimmerman, from, from uh, his, his incredible, come across in the Torah style in, in the U.K., did a long presentation about it, and he said he gave a lot of extremely harsh language, um, talking about you know uh, using lashon hara in this in this situation. So parents speak to your children. Not only that, use this. Why am I throwing the books out, sweetheart? We thought he was a wonderful person. We made a mistake that happened sometimes, and he did he did bad things to children. So we, we we're disassociating ourselves and we're throwing the stuff out. And that means the important message to you is anybody could do bad things to children, and you should be careful. And here's what you need to know about your private space. It's the best segue. This is the best time we'll have, perhaps, in your children's lifetime to have a real discussion with them about these things. And I thought it was horrible to suggest that we shouldn't do it. You know something? The fact of the matter is making your children naive makes them vulnerable. And we figured out a way, not we, I mean, child safety education, look at our child safety book. We have a child safety book called Let's Stay Safe. And, and Baruch Hashem, we're in 120,000 homes in three languages, and we're doing a campaign now, a big campaign, to put, to put a book in every home, and I'm not going to rest until every home, every Jewish home has a, has a child safety book. Um, we'll talk about the details later, but this is the time to educate our children. There is no better time. And, and, and we did child safety education. It's not, it's not sex education. It's not the birds and the bees. It's the ultimate scheme. That's, that's the ironic thing. People don't understand it. You know, it's okay not to know, but if you don't know, find out. Child safety education is about smears. It's about privacy. It's about teaching children that they have a right to their own space, and no one's allowed to make them uncomfortable. What's more tenure than that? What's more modest than that? It's the ultimate smears. So, so use it as an opportunity, especially now. You need children talking about it. Talk to them openly and say how sad it is, and it's disappointing. And... You know, I, I, I did a I did a, a interview with Dr. David Tepler, um about about this. And it, by the way, if you want to look at my YouTube page, uh, uh, folks, I have a YouTube page at Yaakov, at Yaakov Horowitz. Uh, I, there's about 10, 12 videos on this whole subject. Um, so feel free to all my social media, Yaakov Horowitz, you know, on Facebook, um, Instagram, um, uh, Twitter, and and LinkedIn. There's a lot of content there. Um, and, and a woman wrote in, she, I, I took some questions when I was in Dr. Tuckwood, um, asked if he was off, and a woman said that she, she said, I apologize, Dr. Hart, please don't take this wrong, but how could I trust you and Dr. Tuckwood? <laughs> you hear? Yeah. I'm sorry? Yeah, yeah. You know what I said? No, you know what? what I said? What? I said, don't, don't apologize, that's an excellent question, and there's no bad questions, you can ask anything you want. And the answer is, if trust means that you believe that I'm a person of integrity, and I only mean what I say, and you can't get me to say things if I don't believe in them, then I hope you trust me. And if trust means that you think that when I make decisions, I try to do what's morally correct, that's, that's trust, and I hope that I've earned it. But if trust means that if you see me alone with a, with a 12-year-old girl in the car, then, uh, you know, that's not my child, 
or you see me doing other flagrant violations of, of boundaries or other things like that, um, don't trust me. Right. Don't trust Dr. Kalkowitz. Don't trust anybody. Right. That's, if, if, that's what trust, if trust means ignoring poor behavior in, in, in the boundaries and, and other, uh, um, other rules of engagement, then don't trust that. Of course, you shouldn't trust anybody. That, that, and the Gemara, the Chazal said, I would say, just so very wise, Kadeu v'chashteu, respect, right. but be suspicious. Trust but verify, as we used to say in the Trust 80s. That, you know, nothing, nothing. I, I tell people, I don't want to give them any ideas. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to let them know. A, a, a woman that, a Revitan at a, at a, at a child abuse class, convention class that I was given years ago, she, she said a very respectful, and I think she said, oh, this is so important, we should be the bench for doing it, but oh, what this generation that we're talking about these things, you know, right? She was our age, nothing, you know? So yeah. I said, yeah, remember the good old days when they molested kids and they, nobody did anything about it? <laughs> and, and, the, and, the, and those who think it didn't go on, you're fooling yourselves, right? Of course. Yes, of course it went on. We just didn't know about it. We didn't know about it. And if, if it seems like it's going on more, it's because these folks who have been doing it for 20 years are getting exposed now. Thank God. This is a messy part of cleaning things up. The Child Safety Initiative, uh, um, centered on the book Let's Stay Safe, and as you said, it's been translated into Hebrew and into Yiddish. So um, uh, what was the reaction when it first came out? I mean, I assume you've been making an effort for years and years to get this into every school and into every home. Actually not. I mean, you know, we've just been, you know, from time to time we push it a little bit. But I was actually, we were actually planning on doing this in, in May and June. That that was the plan. I, I said I wanted to do something. I, I, Fifteen years ago, I gave out. No, I'm sorry, fifteen years ago, nine years ago, at, at the Thermosar Convention, I got. I asked one of my trustees for, for, to pay for fifteen hundred books, and I wanted to put a book in every preschool class in the country. And I went to the convention. We gave them out, and there was um, an, uh, um, many children came forward and exposed abuses. One was actually arrested. In one, in yeshiva, and the yeshiva did absolutely the right thing. They did, you know, reported him and everything. And the DA wrote in the indictment, the girl came forward after reading the Let's Stay Safe book. Wow. So I, so I said, yeah, I got, I got goosebumps. When I, I mean, we, we, in the first year, we got over 50 communications from parents whose children either were stopped from abuse or, or exposed abuse that was going on. And, like, we knew we were on to something. And I said, you know, I was just talking to Eddie, to my lovely wife for 41 years. I said, you know, I, I want to just do a big push before the summer next year. And we were lining up, you know, things to do. And then this happened, and I said, go. We're going to go now. Right. You know, and so what we're trying to do is we got already, I mean, we're, we're trying to keep up with the requests. I mean, thank God we got probably requests for 15,000 books already. And, you know, and, 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 parent, publish. and parents who... And parents who fear that they can't address this issue, I would assume you would say to them, you know, this book takes care of most of that for you. Well, you know, look, the book, it's a practice. You know, it's a, it's a tool. I think it's a very good tool, but it's part of the package. It's, a, it's about having real open relationships with your children. It's about teaching your children that they can talk to you about anything. If you're interested on my YouTube page, I just did a thing, a talk called Would Your Child, Would Your Kids Tell You? about having uncomfortable, about telling the kids they can talk to you about anything. We actually brought on our, um, our uh, 26-year-old daughter, Star, our youngest, to talk. People asked the questions about what it was like growing up where they could talk about anything. You 
know, so the, it's, it's, a, it's a process. It's a tool. I think it's a very good tool, but it's part of a package. And it's not one conversation. It's about an ongoing discussion. So we're offering the book for $5 a book with free shipping for, for institutions, you know, for, for any schools or for probably schools that are, you know, that are, the idea is that a sponsor, uh, um, you know, donates, donates books. And the communities themselves can figure out how to how to give them out. I mean, just think about it. If you have a community of a thousand families, okay, with young children, even I'm saying if you have a community of a thousand right. families, it's five thousand right. dollars. That's about half of. That's I, I went to a philanthropist once, and I, I, I we gave out thirty thousand free books in Israel in the Kodeshon with the newspaper there, um, for that people me families. And, and um, I went to a donor and he said, you know, I told him what the cost was. I said, how many people ask you, God forbid, for rehab money for, for kids who were accused? How much do you spend on charity every year? It was over $100,000 a year that he was spending. And I said, no, no, okay, help us out. Do that too. You have to do that. Please continue to do God bless you. But let's do what we can to protect them for a tiny, tiny fraction of the cost besides for the broken lives and everything. So if anybody's interested, my email address is R-Y-H at the bright plural.com. R-Y-H at the bright plural.com. And um, we would love to work with you to, to, uh, to help you get, get the kids safer. And, and, you know, we should continue to talk about it. I, I, that's what we have to do. We have to use this horrible, uh, you know, incident as an opportunity to support survivors, to understand them, to stand with them, and to protect it from, you know, to protect our kids um, and make it a safer world for them. R-Y-H at thebrightbeginnings.com. R-Y-H, Rabbi Yanki Horowitz. R-Y-H at thebrightbeginnings.com. And uh, in terms of the um, uh, YouTube, social media, etc., cetera, uh, people could find... Um, uh, the videos and uh, and the um, uh, different parenting uh, minutes and lessons and lectures uh, at Bright Beginnings and also at your name at Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz, right? At Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz, and, you know, at Yaakov, no rabbi. Oh, at Yaakov <laughs> no Horowitz, so, at Yaakov Horowitz. On, on social media, on all the platforms, on, not all, you know, but uh, right. Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter, it's at Yaakov Horowitz, 1A. And they can do that that email address. We also started, but we're actually just kicked off. We've been doing um, one um, uh, parenting clip um, a day. You know, I, I realized nothing that I'm going to have to do a very different uh, class. You know, a different uh, for today's kids. Just a one-hour class. Just you know, <laughs> that dog ain't going to hunt. <laughs> so, so I reformatted my life. You know, and 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 I'm do, I do 59-second clips every day. Even, since June, we're up to about 180 clips already. Wow! And a new topic, a new topic is a new topic a week. There's a lot of child safety there, um, and um, and the, the idea is that uh, we give parents ed- education. But now we're doing, we just started adolescence this Sunday. We're doing a six-month series, different parts of adolescence, explaining the theory to practice. Parents, it's free. I really, really, really encourage you to sign up, and you can sign up different ways. May I? May I give the information on nothing? Sure, of course. Yeah. Okay. So you can sign up a few different ways. You can go directly to our Instagram page, which is at Bright Beginnings Forum. 
it's at bright beginnings form. Um, you can um, you can do WhatsApp or subscribe there. We have over 3,000 subscribers there already. 845, just send a message to 845-540-2414. Um, and just write the word subscribe. You get it to your phone. You can, if you find them boring, you can uh, unsubscribe at any time. Or we have an email list, and we actually have on Vimeo. You can go to Vimeo and do a search for right beginning. Uh, we purposely made this for Haredi families who have six filters. And you see one of our governing principles is that we wanted our clips to go to, to all families who have access. So if you do just a search on Vimeo for Bright Beginnings, um, you, you, you all go to uh, thebrightbeginnings.com slash forward slash sign up. You can sign up for our daily clips or you can see them on Vimeo. Vimeo is there's no pop-ups, and usually it goes through virtually all filters. So that was a that was a you know it was important to us to get that to as many families as possible. Rabbi Horowitz, um, um, I'm not sure this is fair to do to you at the end of this conversation, but I just I I feel that you you've probably answered this question so many times it may not be that difficult for you. Um, what about those who um, are concerned that in a case like this, and I'm specifically speaking about the Walder case. Uh, who are concerned that there was fabrication, who are concerned that there was uh, not enough of an investigation, who are concerned that, you know, that ev- even though, you know, a, a, a person raising this, you know, m- may not be a Walder sympathizer, uh, but they wonder about how people, quote unquote, jump to certain conclusions. Can I assume that when there's an overwhelming um, avalanche of evidence and accusers, uh, it is different than when someone randomly tosses out a comment about someone's behavior? Uh, yeah, so, so, so it's a very fair question, and, and we never want to go to a place where, um, where we jump to conclusions. You know, every person is entitled to defend themselves, and, and um, th- there are sometimes that people make uh, false allegations. However, and, and it's supposed to, I don't have to trust Yankee Horowitz, go look it up, go online. The, the, the research that, that overwhelmingly accusations are, are more than 95% of accusations are true. The, the, the exception to that is, unfortunately, when, when, when this child abuse allegations are abused horribly in custody battles and divorce cases, you know, there one side benefits, God forbid, nobody benefits. But right. I'm saying there's they a reason think for someone right. to make a false alle- an allegation. But if you, if, you, if you think about what it takes for somebody to come forward, the humiliation and the pain and everything and putting themselves up, standing against powerful people, it's pretty logical that, you know, it, it, it just doesn't uh, uh, come. And when you see multiple people and when they talk about that it happened years ago, and they say, this is anecdotally, that they told someone six years ago about it, with one person in their life, let's say, and that person comes forward. So it's not something that they just thought of now, you know. Yeah. There, there are markers. And also, I mean, in this particular case, it's a Benson, you know, Rashulman is Yahoo. I don't know Rabbi Yahoo well. He gave it to us in our book. But Rashulman is the, the go-to Gogol in Pesach in the Shalevi, uh, Diane in, in neighbor actually, he's 80 years old. He's a, a tremendous woman, and he's fearless about child safety issues. He gave us a letter. I get, I, he gave us a letter for our Yiddish book, and, and he, he, he asked me to please do it again, make it in Hebrew, and then he gave us another letter. So, you know, 
they review, they said 22 witnesses, people went forward online. But I, I want to just, I want to say specifically about this Waldo case, because it didn't go through the process. By, by the way, that's why I think people should go to the police, because the police, they do, you know, they, they do it. And they know how to deal that's with why, it. Yeah, that's why you have to, people come to me, I have an allegation, I say, what are you, I'm, not a, I'm not a forensic detective, right. how am I supposed to know? Right. Uh, that's not what I do, I, you know. But, I, I, you know, when I, when I took my kids to baseball games, I used to, you know, there's a, there's a crack and there's a hit, ball hit to the outfield and everybody jumps up and says home run. I always told the kids, um, watch the outfielders and where they're standing. Right. If their back is to the wall, then you can stop screaming. It looks like a home run. But right. if everybody's applauding because the ball is high in the air and you see the outfielder, you know, 50 feet from the, from the morning track, that ain't going nowhere. Right. So. I when when allegations come, it, it's often helpful to see how the people closest there are responding. Right. And and if the Atedna man took him off the staff, off the writing staff after many years, uh, they saw something also. You know, watch them. That's what I, I tell people. That's what I advise people to to when 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 looking at this Walder case, right away. You know, uh, the fact that Morty Getz is a private citizen did this. He also did an incredible amount of homework uh, on his own. I know this personally. But especially the institutions. So Morty is, is one guy. He's a businessman. God bless him. And he put his money where his mouth is. And he, he took a difficult position for which, he's getting, <laughs> for which he's getting a lot of praise and a lot of other stuff. Right. But, but, um, but you look at what the people in the neighborhood did. Look at see he was he was on a radio show. They took him off the show right away. He was yeah. on. So you see that the people closest to the situation, and powerful people who have juice and could have protected him, didn't. Right. That tells you everything you need to know. It doesn't mean he's guilty, but it means <clears throat> you can assume that it's not just, you know, somebody flying off and making an allegation. Right. Understood. Can't thank you enough for your time. Can't thank you enough for helping those who are in really difficult situations. Uh, you're always standing side by side with those who have suffered in their lives at the hands of uh, of those who uh, uh, have that halo effect that you described earlier. And the call a vote to you. And if we could uh, be of any help in terms of encouraging more and more schools and schools and institutions and families getting the book, let us know because I think that that's an amazing start for those parents out there uh, teachers, faculty members who really want to get this conversation started. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nachum. Yashem you for all your great work and um, for always standing up for for right and just causes. Um, I'll be delighted to come back on and give you, give you an update in a while. I just want to know, I'm, I'm adding uh, 39 minutes to my uh, 36 hours at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Guil- guilty as <laughs> charged. Wall the free. And by the way, parents out there, you might want to join. It's, it's, I, got a lot of, I got a lot of very positive feedback from parents and, survi- and, and survivors that said, you know, that, 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 that they love this idea to just take off a little bit, go back to your life. This is all going to be waiting for you when you right. come back. And, so, and take a deep breath. Right. And, and educate your children and make, make it a safer world for our kids. Sometimes you need to take a drive and clear your head. <laughs> and, yep. I, and I think that that's sort of what you're suggesting. Thank you so much, Rabbi Horowitz. Yes, continued continued okay. blessings and success. Thank you, Nachum. Be well. Rabbi Yanki Horowitz, everybody, on a very important Tuesday morning edition of JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Arayanki Horowitz. Thanks so much for tuning in. More coming up. Keep it here on NSN, the Nahum Single Network.